I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, I love you. And for the, for the Cooks and Hills family, they're going, this is awkward. <clears throat> I don't want to tell him I love him. And Jesus, we love each other in Jesus. Uh, speaking of our championship uh, team, we have uh, several of our young men in church here, and uh, they're going to be having to purchase uh, championship rings here before too long. And so uh, we want to make you aware of that, and uh, there will be a financial need for some of them. In that respect, so if you are interested in helping with some of that, uh, you just let me know, and uh, we'll we'll take it from there. But we want to make sure that they all get one to walk around and brag about. Brother Pat, Brother Patrick will have to have somebody carry his because it'll be so heavy on his hand. I don't know if he, I don't know if he can handle it, but uh, yeah. Brian, Brad, how many do you guys have between the two of you? Ten, so Brian, ten, and then from Clinton, how many did you have? And four here, so ten all together. So they got one for each finger now. Everything's good. <laughs> now they can make it. Now they can make a picture, you know. <laughs> awesome. They can make a picture now. So Brad will Brad will get uh, Braden's when he gets the uh, one from college. He'll get that one right. Since he'll end up having to pay for it, he ought to get to wear it. Amen. <laughs> and Derek, it's good to, always good to have you in the off season. Amen. <laughs> always great to watch. Uh, if you've been, have, if you had a chance to watch TU on on uh, TV, defense right in the middle, number ninety nine. That's Brother Derek back there. And uh, I was looking for him to make all conference this year, but they bypassed him for a linebacker. I don't understand that. But that's kind of like a lineman getting bypassed for a quarterback. It just doesn't. It just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to be this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 48, or four, through 48, the three verses, 46, 47, 48. I want to talk about a life that glorifies God. I'm a big fan of Christmas songs, are you? Love to listen to them, and uh, the different varieties. of. I mean, it's the same song, but you just hear it different ways. I've got a jazz version in my office, and that's kind of fun to, to, to listen to a, a way in a manger in jazz. It's kind of fun. Uh, I have uh, the... Uh, uh, Mannheim Steamroller, and that's a whole different way to listen to them. Uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, that's a whole different way to listen to them. And then, you, then you've got some that are just uh, old holiday type singing. And uh, uh, Bean Crosby will always sing White Christmas better than anybody, right? Hard to, do, hard to beat some of these guys that have sung these originally, for us anyway. But you know, you go through the mall, you go through the stores, you hear these songs being played, and I love to listen to them. And people of all faiths and non-faiths <laughs> get a little bit of the gospel during the Christmas season. You know, they'll sing. Hark the herald angels sing. One of my favorites, by the way. Uh, third word in there is not spelled correctly, but nevertheless, it works out. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth. Mercy's mild. God and sinners reconcile. That's right there in the song, you see. So they're going to get it, and they'll sing along with it, and they don't even know what they're singing, right? But I love it. 
I love the atheists are trying to get a, they're trying to get something put down at the state capitol next to the Ten Commandments. I guess it would be something that's not there because God doesn't exist in their mind. So what are you going to put there? Doesn't make any sense. Then the Hindus heard about it. So the Hindus in Oklahoma, they want, it, they want something put there to counter the atheist. And so it's just, it's getting kind of fun to watch. All because, all because we put Ten Commandments there. Isn't it fun? So you can, you can say that God's not going to be heard from, but yeah, He will be. Over the next, uh, I'm going to have about two times to share uh, with you about the song of Christmas and uh, with our kids' Christmas program and my foot last week. But uh, I want to talk to you about this, what they call Mary's song uh, in the book of Luke. It's a song that Mary, uh, when she heard that she was giving birth to the Messiah, as amazing as that was, every phrase of what's called Mary's song in, in the Gospel of Luke is a quotation or a, an allusion back to an Old Testament verse or promise. And so Mary, in a way, was the first Christian because she was the first person to hear the Gospel message. And that message was that God would be born through a human being to save humanity. She was the first one to hear that story. So she really found Christ the first, first time and for the very first time in the New Covenant. And when she heard that Jesus, that Christ's message in the Christmas message, it changed her. It changed her from the inside out. And that's what the Gospel does, doesn't it? When we hear the Gospel, it changes us from the inside out. Or it should. Changes from the inside out. Uh, you know, she didn't say in the opening parts of this, what's called Mary's song, the Magnificent, she didn't say, you know, I, I'm learning a new technique. I'm learning a new way. I'm hearing something I've never heard before. She simply focused on the message of the gospel that God was coming to save us through her, the son that she would bear and be born of her. She didn't say, I've got five new steps to get my groove back. She didn't say, I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. All she did was focus on the Spirit of God that did fill her and the Spirit of God that was calling her into a marvelous, marvelous thing. But here's the question. What gave her that great sense of awe and wonder? That sense of joy and blessing that she felt? I mean, First Peter says this, you, have, you love Him even though you have never seen Him, though you do not see Him now. You trust Him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. You see, that's speaking of us. We rejoice with an inexpressible joy. How do we do that? How do we have a family coming through with absolutely nothing, walk through here, grab an armful of items, and go out with a smile on their face and the joy of the Lord in their life? Because they found Jesus for a brief moment. And for a brief moment, they didn't have to focus on where they were in life. They saw a group of people that just gave to them and didn't want anything back. Some of them gave us an offering. Don't know how much. Don't really care how much. But they wanted, they wanted so much to give back to us too. So they handed us some money. That's amazing. We tried not to take it. Try to tell them, no, 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 no. But there's sometimes when you have to be a gracious receiver in life. 
And so they were giving out of their heart. And if they gave $1, that was huge to God, you see, in their life. In their life. How do we have and how can we explain and express that indescribable joy, that inexpressible joy that Peter talked about? I mean, you might be going through a difficult time in your life, and we've shared some of that here this morning. But that kind of joy is available. You, you may be worried about your future, but that kind of a joy is available. You might be here and there's decisions that you need to make and you have no idea what to do. Indecision is just eating your lunch right now. Guess what? That joy is available to you too. You might be here and you've done everything right. Things are tough. and I want you to know that that kind of joy is available to you. So how do I know? Because the girl singing this song, she's 14 years old. She's single, she's pregnant, and she was a virgin. Huh. Life was going to get really tough for her about now. We've heard the story many times. And we accept the truth that there was a virgin birth that happened. But have you considered what would happen today? How about your 14-year-old daughter comes home? Says, hey, mom and dad, I'm pregnant. Oh, really? Well, that's awesome. That'd be your response first, wouldn't it? That's just wonderful. That's awesome. And they would say, well, who is it? Who was it? And she would say, well, it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, fantastic. I want to meet this young man who calls himself the Holy Spirit because he's going to find the Holy Spirit pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, our, our response might be pretty much like that, huh? But this girl filled with in, inexpressible joy, uncontainable joy in the face of this very life's tough situation, how can she glorify God? I'm going to show you three characteristics of this amazing young woman named Mary that we need to apply in our lives and have evident in our lives. Let's pick the first one up in verse 46. It says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul does what? Read it out loud. Praises the Lord. A life that glorifies God, first characteristic, magnifies God's Word. Magnifies God's Word. Every Jewish child from the age of 6 to 10 went to a school of learning called Beth Sefer. Or defined, that is, house of the book. They would be given honey and were told to eat that honey. And the rabbis would say, may the words of God be to you sweeter than the honey that you eat. Because you see, it's in the words of God that you find unexpressible joy. At Beth Saber, they would memorize the Torah. Well, that was the first five books of the Bible. You instantly are saying, whoa, I'm glad that's not me. I can't remember my name. I have to write it backwards on my forehead so I know who I am when I look in the mirror. I understand. I always wondered why we had to wear these lanyards on the sideline that says sideline pass. Do they not know I'm on the sideline? Why do I have to wear a sign that says I'm on the sideline? I don't get it. And you might say, well, I can't, I can't memorize anything. Really? How many of you, if I named off a song, you could start singing it for me? White Christmas. How's it start? Oh, that's Baker. He knows everything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> How about a movie scene? 
Toy Story. Any any praises from that movie? Buzz Lightyear. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, what's the one you guys always watch? Is it uh, Lamp National Lampoon Christmas? Vicious Vacation. Is that that old Chevy Chase and Merry Christmas? Yeah, there you go. And his what's his cousin Eddie? Isn't that his name? Yeah. See, I mentioned some of these, and you instantly remember it, right? How many of you remember the, your locker combination from when you were in high school? Look at this. How long have you been out of high school? Too long. He can't remember. But he can remember the locker combination. And, and if, you, if you can remember it, you're a sick person. You need to get off. But at the age of 10 to 14, these uh, Jewish kids would go to Beth Talmud, and that was the house of study or learning, and they would memorize the rest of the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. Isn't that amazing? They would have that all memorized by the time they were 14. So Mary was a student of the Bible. She had the Bible memorized. Her response, her entire response to this story in Luke, every phrase is a quotation from the Old Testament. It's how much the Bible was in her heart that when the, given the news about the Messiah that poured out of her was Scripture that she had hidden in her heart. The key point is this. If you're a Christian, the Bible is the primary source for how we view circumstances in the world around us. If the world says we're going to hell in a handbasket and the basket's disappeared, come up with Scripture. Go back to Scripture. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I saw on Facebook, somebody said it finally happened. It was, a, it was a city sign called hell and icicles hanging off. So I guess hell had frozen over. <laughs> yeah. So you never know when that's going to happen. But you and I don't have to worry about it, do we? Not a bit. We're going into financial ruin. Really? I, the King of Kings is still on the throne last time I looked. I love it when we're told by the Washington elites that to raise the debt ceiling doesn't necessarily we're going to mean we're going to increase our debt. If you can say that $17 trillion is not in debt, sounds great. Try to get that over to your credit card company. <laughs> They'll have a limit. They would probably cut you off at at least $5 trillion. I don't think they would go much further than that. But you know, when you're a Christian, you're going through a tough season, there should be verses from the Bible, from God's Word, that come in and help you during those times. Romans 8 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. As a Christian, you need to know that nothing in your life is by accident. Everything that happens to you is by design because God is using everything in your life to make you more like Jesus. Amen? You ever stood in the line at the post office during this time of year? <laughs> Read a story about a guy. He was standing in line and 15 people in line. There's a guy and only one guy behind the counter, as, as usual. And he's, all, he's working as slow as he possibly can. You know that because you've watched him. He just, he just, he, there's, no, there's no rapid movement at all. A lady to, to uh, back behind the guy telling the story, she's really agitated. She's hollering at the guy behind the counter and cussing at everybody else in line who's in her way. Well, the funny thing is right behind her was a policeman. So the, this guy in the story who's telling the story was about to go next 
And the guy behind the counter looks up and sees the policeman. He says, sir, are you on duty? He said, yes. He said, well, you come right on up to the front. <laughs> well, I mean, the guy had been waiting 45 minutes to, for his turn, but it was even worth it, he said, because the lady behind him, she went ballistic. <laughs> As the guy behind her got to go in front of her. Oh, my goodness, you can imagine. So, but what was God trying to teach this guy telling the story? Well, he says, God was trying to teach me patience by giving me a situation that would create patience. Isn't that true? If you're as a young married couple and you pray for patience, that God will give you patience, He gives you children. <laughs> Doesn't He? Hey, he does. He'll give you children. And then your patience level increases by 20. Amen? Misty told me this morning, the only way she could get Braden to calm down is she said, we're going to church to see Papa. And he instantly goes, Papa. Jeff said, there's something weird, man. You've got a connection with this kid. Count your blessings, name them one Because <laughs> at 14, when you need somebody to connect to him, I hope I still have that connection. Amen? Because we need him. We need him. We need him. But if you have scripture hidden in your heart, God can bring those scriptures to light and help you through your tough times, even if you're in a long line at the post office. You see how we look at our lives is not through the lens of the most comfortable or the lens of what's easiest, but through the lens of what's going to make me more like Jesus. Thursday night in the game, Union drives down and scores, and I'm looking at, I'm, I'm just, I'm sitting in the press box looking down at the field going, this isn't going to be pretty. This is going to get ugly. It'll be the last one that has the ball that wins the game. Mm -mm. I could see the coaches down to my left. I saw Coach Bryant. He was standing up in there praising God. He was holding up the staff of Moses. I know he had it up. Because we scored twice, just real fast. <laughs> and I instantly thought, man, ah, piece of cake, right? Piece of cake. Oh, it's never over till it's over. At 10 seconds left in the game, I finally said, I think we won this thing. Because <laughs> everybody in that room where I was was very much pro-union. They were very much wanting union to win. And it was so fun to be the only maroon-colored shirted person in there. But you see, it's not what's easiest. It's what's going to make, more, make me more like Jesus. That's why I go through it. Second characteristic, verse 47. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So that second characteristic is a life that glorifies God, rejoices in God's work. It rejoices in God's work. We need to be honest for a minute. Does, doesn't Mary realize that she's going to be a teenage unwed mother? Doesn't she realize that? Why is she rejoicing? I'm telling you, that's a tough road to take. That's a tough road to take. We've met some girls that came through here about a year ago now who told us their testimony, right? Of how they made those decisions. One of them, she said, I have never seen, I haven't seen my children in what, five years, wasn't it? Three to five years? But because she's turned her life around, her family trusts her enough that she's going to let her see her kids again. But you see, she's the one that made those choices. She's the one that got ahead of the game. She's the one that got the cart before the horse. See, you see, and, and there's a price to pay for that. Why didn't Mary understand that? Because this was a call from God in her life, wasn't it? It's a big difference, isn't it? When you're 14, you're not supposed to have children. You're still one. <laughs> you're not supposed to have them yet. You still got a long way to go. I know how to handle it. 
Well, you hear these these, these kids, 14, 15, 16, I know how to do it. I can handle this and a piece of cake. Nothing to it. Yeah, as long as you got mom, dad, grandma, grandma, everybody bailing you out. It's real easy. When you run out of diapers, where they at? Run out of wipes, where they at? Run out of formula, where's it at? You see what I'm saying? I mean, she's going to be a social outcast. Her family's going to be ridiculed. Don't you know they're going to be talking in the church house about that girl? On the back row, the amen corner, don't you know they're going to be saying, don't you? And where did, where did her and her family sit? Probably right up on the front, right? So every, every week as she came in, and it was more obvious and more obvious and more obvious. <laughs> People would walk past her to shake hands with somebody else during hug and howdy. They had a hug and howdy back then. Or maybe it was hug and shalom. I'm not sure what they did. Luke 1, there's a leading up to our verses in verse 31 through 37. Listen to this. Behold, you will conceive. This is what she's told. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call him his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy, Holy One who is to be born will be called the son, of, the son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who, who, was, barren, who was called barren. For what God, nothing will be impossible. So she was setting the stage. Not only was Mary going to be a miracle and Jesus be a miracle, but also, Elizabeth was going to bear John the Baptist, who was going to be the forerunner of Jesus. And he's out six months ahead of the game talking about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Just coincidental? So God takes a virgin and then goes to the far end of the spectrum toward an older woman who can't bear children, and all of a sudden she can't. Boy, there was talk around that Christmas table. <laughs> I love it. First morning sickness. Her husband's looking at her. Elizabeth's husband's going, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I missed that, Don. What would you say? He had to write it. Yeah, that's right. Because he couldn't, he couldn't speak. Because he laughed when God said, you're going you're gonna to have this kid. God struck him dumb to where he couldn't speak. Yeah, he was dumb, all right. But they all said, how can this be? You know, when God told Abraham that he was going to have a son, the Bible says that Abraham laughed. In Genesis 17, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? But it happened. It happened. In fact, in Genesis 21, it says, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And that's the name of, of, of uh, their son Isaac. Literally, it means laughter or hysterical laughter. And so she says in Genesis 21, God's brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. <laughs> How old were you? Can you see him drawing water at the well? And Sarah walks up and got the kid strapped on her back? Doesn't look right now. A 90-year-old woman walks in with a baby strapped to her back. Well, that's a nice-looking grandson you got there. No, that's my baby. I birthed him about two weeks ago. Oh, what? See, you're laughing. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. 
That's when God does his greatest work is when it doesn't make any sense at all. Story. I read powerful story. Guys, dad takes him to the mall. He's seven years old. Takes him to the mall where they sell kangaroo shoes. And the dad knew one of the uh, salesmen in this shoe store. His name was Russell. And the kid thought it was Bill Russell, the NBA star that played for the Celtics. But what really impressed this young man was he looked down at the little boy and he said, with the right training, this little boy right here could be an NBA star. The boy was so taken by that, he, he joined a basketball team. As soon as he got uh, re- the next week at school, he signed up to play basketball and got involved and he started playing, all because that guy in the store said he could be a star. You see, there's seeds that are planted that tell you about whether you're going to be great or not. So why aren't you pouring into the children, your grandchildren, the things of God? When I've got Braden in my little lap and he's right up by me, I'm whispering in his ear all the time about how God is great. God loves you. You have the greatest parents in the world. And they love God and all of them love you. And you're going to be a great young man. You might be a preacher one day. I'm going to plant seeds all in that boy's life. Because I want him to get, I want him to get it. He walks over to his dad last night, hands him a book and holds his arms up because he wants his dad to hold him and read his book. He can't read. He's not even two yet. (laughs) But he's understanding about relationship. And he's going to learn it from his dad. So when God called Moses, Moses gave all the reasons why he couldn't go, didn't he? (laughs) He gave all the reasons why he couldn't go. But you know what? We're going to have to go. We've got to go. When God calls us to go, we've got to go. We can't sit back and hope it happens. We've got to go. And, and we're all full of excuses. And the next time you get an excuse, I want you to remember this, this little bit right here. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph, not our present Leah, just the Leah in the Bible. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. So when you think you've got a problem, look at the list. God has used some impossible people to get great things done for him. Maybe, just maybe, he could use you and me to do something for God. I listen to great preachers all the time, trying to become a great preacher. But the greatest preacher story of all, and one that keeps me on on solid footing, is the fact when God uses a donkey to preach, maybe he can use me. (laughs) And when I've surpassed Balaam's donkey, I'll know that I've arrived. A prayer that we should be praying every morning is, Lord, you're going to do some awesome things in the world today. Would you allow me to be a part of a few of them? Wouldn't that be a great prayer? We ought to start praying that prayer. And you'll experience radical joy when you realize that God can use you and it's not about your performance. It's about your availability and His grace and opening yourself up to Him. Third characteristic, verse 48. For He took notice of this lowly servant, of His lowly servant girl, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. The third characteristic I want you to take away from the life of Mary is that a life that glorifies God experiences God's blessings. Experiences God's blessings. 
You see, Mary's blown away that God would choose her. She says, God has regarded the state of His maidservant. Or another way he puts it is that God, for some reason, has found me worthy. Her life shows that God can use people, not based on ability, but because of His grace and the availability that they give Him from their heart. How did we have a free yard sale? Jeff and Misty saw it at another church and said, let's give it a try here. Lindsay's already testified there's another church that's going to pick up on the same idea and do it next year in another part of town. Wouldn't that be awesome? Have half a dozen of those free deals going on? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And w- But when uh, she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. I love what Mick said this morning during Sunday school in the same passage. He said, she was concerned about the message. I'd be concerned that an angel showed up to bring me the message. You know what I'm saying? Of course, 400 years. 400 years, God had been silent until now. And that angel, Gabriel, that spoke before, now is speaking to Mary. Wouldn't you be a little bit concerned? She's startled. She walks into her home, sees an angel standing there. This shouldn't be happening to me, she would say to herself. Then the angel gives Mary this same greeting that the angel gives to the men of God in other parts of the Bible. I mean, she knew the Bible. In Judges 6, 6.12, it says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So see, she was hearing the same thing. When Mary hears that greeting, she knows what it means. It means that God is going to call her to do something amazing for him. She was troubled, it says. Literally, that means she was puzzled. Puzzled. Christmas is supposed to be puzzling and amazing for each of us. I saw a, a friend post on the, they have a, a young daughter about three or four who's standing by the Christmas tree, a beautiful picture. She's, she's just looking with her hands and you can see her eyes are big and she's looking at the lights on the tree. There is the amazement of Christmas in that face. And that's the way it is. Christmas is an amazing time. And we need to let it be amazing in each of our lives. Matthew eleven eleven says, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That means if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to be greater than even John the Baptist because you're part of the kingdom of God. You're part of the, you're part of the forgiven, ever forgiven, ever part of God. You get to be the everlasting bringers of the message to the folks who need to have Jesus and be saved of, the, of their sin and brought to heaven. You're a part of that. What good can come from my family? We, we grew up in Texas of all places. And I know it's amazing to you that two preachers came out of a family grew up, that grew up in Texas. Well, one of us is a good preacher. I'm not sure about the other. He's all right. I wonder what Mary thought. I'm from Nazareth. And Nazareth wasn't a very good place to be from, by the way. It wasn't hundreds of thousands of people. It was just a little bit old town. 
Tens and hundreds of people live there. Maybe about a hundred, that's it. In John 1, Philip found Nathanael, told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Well, come and see, said Philip. Something did good come from there, didn't it? The town had nothing of which anybody could brag about. People say, where are you from? I say, Jinx. They go, what? I have to tell them Tulsa before they catch it. However, I did see online that we're one of the top 10 all-time high school football programs in the nation. Number four, by the, by the way. <laughs> I didn't see Union or Broken Arrow anywhere. I'll, I'll repent later. 1 Corinthians 1, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. It's not about what we have. It's about who's in us that makes the difference. Today's the day to release all the stuff that's in your life that needs to be gotten out of your life. Today's the day, if you're having marriage problems, to find encouragement from God. To embrace the song of Christmas. To believe that God wants to work on your behalf to make that marriage work. Some of you have dreams for the future and you have no idea how it's going to happen. The group that sang earlier during the communion time won the sing-off last year. The Pentronics group. I was listening this year to the when it started up and there was this old group of, of black guys that stood on the corner. Street Corner Renaissance is what they're called. Look them up on the YouTube. And they have got that old barbershop sound. It is awesome. And I'm telling you, I, they were doing the testimony of these guys before they sang and, and one of them, they were showing them with their families and saying, one of them, he said, you know what? He said, raised all my family, got my grandkids going in the right direction. He said, and I looked in the mirror one day, I said, you know what? Maybe there's still hope for me. Maybe there's still hope for me. And those guys sang their heart out. They made it through the first cut. I don't know if they're still in it or not, but man, I'm telling you, it's just a joy to listen to them. And one of the judges, a black guy, he got up and went up and hugged every one of them. Why? Because that's his heritage. That's his home. When I was listening to them, I thought of Brad and Bryant and how they were raised in the church in Hobart. And how many times they would have heard singing like that? How many times they would have heard that? How many times did you and I hear that kind of singing? In our churches. I grew up in an acapella church. That's all we ever sang was like that. Oh, man. We need to understand that God can take small things and make them great things in spite of who He's using to get it done. In spite of who He's using to get it done. Some of you have given your life to Jesus. You know what it means to have Him as your Savior. There's others that have not done that. And you're praying for people that haven't done that. But maybe some of you are even in this room this morning. And you've just been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Today is the day. Don't put it off any longer. Father, we ask You this morning to be very close to us. Father, help us to truly produce a life that glorifies you. Help us to be
people that produce lives that bring glory and honor to you. And Father, I'm praying today that you will move in the lives of your people here. Father, that as we stand and sing in just a few minutes, that we'll sing from our hearts and we'll sing in such a way that you are praised and you are honored and you are glorified. And Father, we're going to sing a song that has a powerful message. And the message is one of surrender. But so often we'll sing this song not with the full intention that is meant by the song, but by the intention that we have that we're only going to go part way. So God, I'm praying today that those that sing this song will sing it in its fullness. And they will understand that we need to surrender all. Surrender all. And when we do that, no matter how tender the age, at the, at the tender age of 14, God found favor in Mary and blessed her and then used her to bring salvation to this world. Could we be a vessel that you would use? Could we be one who you will anoint in such a way as we see the message being brought to people who've never heard it before? All I know is we've got to, first of all, surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.